What's one thing you like most about yourself? My imagination. Tell us your favorite hobby or pastime. Painting with spray paint. Describe your breakfast routine in your home. It is wildly inconsistent. (laughs) (laughs) Different every single day. What's your favorite outdoor activity? Going to the beach, not necessarily getting into the water, just being near the water. What's one thing you just can't live without? My notebooks. Hey guys, Tedra here. So today on the podcast, Julie and I are speaking with Morgan Harper Nichols. Morgan is a writer, artist, and musician. In 2017, Morgan started a project where she invites people to submit their stories to her website. From there, she creates original art inspired by what they send to her, and then sends them the art for free. So in this episode, we discuss her process for writing poetry, the inspiration behind her project to write for others, and how her reach is widespread, organic, and strengthens the human connection. Morgan is pretty awe-inspiring in her thoughts and in her life practice. We felt moved by her generosity of spirit towards others. While her work is reflective and thoughtful, she is super lighthearted and engaging. So we hope you'll be inspired by Morgan and maybe send her a message with your own story. So before we start the show, we have a quick favor to ask. If you're enjoying the podcast, would you mind sharing it with a friend? Just click the share button and spread the get to know love. Also, if you shout us out on Instagram, we'll do the same right back to you. It's kind of fun. You're listening to the We Get to Know podcast, and for years, we've all been following some of the most inspiring creatives, innovators, social media influencers, and bloggers. Simply put, we get inspired. The next best thing to following our favorite people is hearing their stories straight from them. So listen in as we get to know Morgan. Hello, Morgan Harper Nichols. Welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you for having me. I know we're so excited to talk to you today. Tell us first, where are we talking to you from? I am just a little south of Los Angeles in Orange County. So, yeah. I was about to say sunny Orange County, but it's actually very overcast today. Oh, is it? Overcast California. So, yeah. Well, we're in Austin and we're getting the same overcast, yucky weather. I think it's supposed to be raining for the next 10 days. Wow. (laughs) Which I tell my kids, April showers, bring May flowers, but they're like, ah, no thanks. <laughs> exactly. So we just discovered for our listeners where this is 10 a.m. our Austin, Texas time. And for Morgan, it's 8 a.m. And she just revealed that she's a very early riser. So tell me, what time do you typically wake up? I typically wake up between 4.30 and 5. Now, I like to wake up early, but not that early. I don't know why I wake up that early, but that's just when my body likes to start moving. So, so you no know, alarm. You just, that's yeah, the time. It's, yeah. And I'm actually pregnant right now with my, oh, with my first child. Thank you. And it's even before this, it's, it's just always been that way. So we'll see how things go from here. <laughs> What? (laughs) Well, that's going to come in handy, actually, when you have this baby. Oh, that's good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) When is your due date? May 25th. So, Oh, you're a few weeks away. (laughs) Yeah, a few weeks away. So we're hanging in there this last month. So, okay, be honest. Doesn't the last trimester pretty much, isn't it pretty terrible? Oh, yeah. I'm getting to that point where it's like, like yesterday was honestly the first, and I've been very fortunate that my my pregnancy has been pretty 
easy, you know, relatively in terms of stories that I've heard. And but this week <laughs> has been rough. Like it's I not for the birds. Just, <laughs> yeah, I can't just hop up off the couch. I can't. Yeah, it has been an adventure. So, <laughs> well, I do think that if this can make you feel any better, that the last few weeks of pregnancy is actually preparing you for what's going to happen when you have the baby. Oh, gotcha. So okay. I think maybe that might give you a little bit of solace, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear. Do you know what you're having? Yes, we're having a boy. So, oh, so yep, cute. Yep. So excited. <laughs> Good luck with that. It's going to be amazing. I have two girls and a boy, and mm-hmm. I never thought I, I mean, not that I didn't want a boy. I just thought I would resonate more with girls, and mm-hmm. I just didn't know what a son would bring into my life because I had girls. And after my son was born, I was telling a friend, I was like, I just cannot believe how much I can relate to this child, how much I love him. Mm. It's almost like I want to French kiss him. (laughs) (laughs) And my friend was like, you cannot say that out loud. (laughs) I I mean, it's just amazing, the mother and son bond. So, Yeah, we're so excited. I grew up with one sister, so just no boys. So I'm just like, my husband has three brothers, so... We're coming from two totally different sides, but I'm excited. So, (laughs) Okay. So speaking of your family, let's go back a bit. Tell us where you were born, kind of growing up, your childhood, a little bit about your family if you'd like. Yeah. So I was actually born in Long Beach, California. And then when I was around two years old, we actually moved to Atlanta, Georgia, which is actually where my mom's hometown is. So that's pretty much where I grew up. I was a homeschooled preacher's kid in, I say Atlanta, but we were actually a little outside of Atlanta in a smaller area called Stone Mountain, Lithonia. If anyone's from Georgia, they've probably heard of Stone Mountain. And my world was sort of small in the sense of like, I was homeschooled. I only had one sister. My dad was a pastor of like a small church. Like everything was just really small. Like I, I didn't go to a big school. Like I didn't right. have a lot of people. It was weird. I was around a lot of people, but just in terms of community and everyday life, like it was just kind of small. I really do think that was a huge part of like my creativity being fostered at a young age. And both my parents are really creative, but my mom, especially, she just really encouraged my sister and I to create something new every day. So oh. our parents would just buy like dollar store notebooks in bulk and we would just fill notebooks with pictures and stories. And that was just like a hobby, like growing up, like I just really enjoyed it. So I always consider myself like extremely blessed that like I had parents who really encouraged creativity in me at a young age. Well, I was just going to say, what a gift your mom gave you to create something new every single day. Yeah. And I still have that. And like with the first question about, you know, what's your favorite thing about yourself is your imagination. I, I say in my imagination because that's it's something I've always had. Like sometimes it can definitely be a bad thing because I can <laughs> overthink and imagine things that are not going to happen. And I'm like, but what if everything goes totally wrong? And so there's definitely a downside to that. But that's why I decided to become a writer. Cause I was like, well, at least I can document all of these things and, you know, maybe other people can relate to it as well. So Yeah, that's kind of the basics of, you know, how I kind of got started at a young age and where I kind of began. I was pretty quiet and shy. So that was sort of an interesting thing. It's like I was really interested in the arts and I can play instruments. I taught myself how to play all these instruments, but I was scared to like share them with people. Um, And that didn't come very naturally to me. It still doesn't come very naturally to me. But 
I always say like, I'm so thankful for the internet because that gave me an opportunity to start kind of sharing a little bit of what I was creating without hiding, but sharing. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) So I spent like a lot of my teenage years into college and even after that a little bit, like having various blogs, doing lots of different things. And I almost always like didn't have my name on it. I would just put another name on it. Really? Yeah. I just, I just, I was like, I'm not really sure if I'm ready to share this like as myself. So, I mean, I've had countless, I don't know how many, I've had so many different blogs, like on every platform. So you're like the ghostwriter. <laughs> I really was. And it wasn't until like three years ago, I'm 29 now. And it wasn't until three years ago that I was like, okay, I'm going to start putting my name on my work. And what made you, what was that t- turn there? Because that's outing yourself in a big way. Yes, it really was. It kind of came out of, I was in a season of like career change. So most of my post-college life, I've been in some type of creative gig job of just, you know, working gig by gig. And that was music for a large portion of that. And I traveled as a singer songwriter, as a guitar player. My husband was a tour manager doing a lot of music. And I was kind of getting to the point where I was just getting really tired being on the road a lot and getting really exhausted. And I was like, I think I need a change. I wasn't really sure what that change meant because I'm like, this is my job. Like grownups can't just leave their job when they <laughs> when they want to change. Like that's not how things work. Oh, but wouldn't that be an amazing life if it was I like know. that? Yeah. So I was just really torn because I was like, I don't have a resume really, honestly, outside of doing all of this. Like no one would want to hire me. Like I'm not even sure how I can even work for a company. I'm so scatterbrained. Like, I don't even know what I would do. So I wrote this poem one night because it kind of been something I've been wrestling with for about a year, but it, it just got to a point where it went from wrestling with it to just kind of taking over me Mm -hmm. and just making me feel like I was a failure. I was like, you know, I guess it was kind of like a quarter life crisis. And this is while you were touring and singing. Yeah, exactly. So I wrote this poem and I hadn't really written poems in years. And I wrote this poem that just sort of said, can you share it with us? Do you remember? Yes. It was the first line of it was the first part of it is when you start to feel like things should have been better this year remember the mountains and valleys that brought you here. And that was sort of the first part of it that just got me thinking. And then the poem goes on to talk about you're not your mistakes. Those moments were in vain. There's more to you than yesterday. And it was just words that I just needed to hear myself in that moment. And I got down to the end of it. And this poem is still out there on the internet. And you can see it when you look at it. At the very end of it, you'll see how I wrote my name, but I wrote it like off to the side. Like it was like a last minute decision. And I wrote it and I was just like, I don't know why I wrote my name on that. (laughs) I never write my name on things like that. So I did. And I was like, well, maybe I should share it. So I took a picture of it. I got ready to share it on Instagram. And then I completely chickened out. And I was like, no, I... What year was this? This was in 2016. Okay. So this is November 2016. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to share this. This is too much. I was like, I'll just share it on Pinterest because there aren't that many people. No one really goes on Pinterest. Yeah, (laughs) that I know. So that was the thing I was just thinking about, like people that I know, like no one, no one I know is using Pinterest in this way. So I'm just going to share it over there. Well, a few months after that, I think it was right at the beginning of the year, right at the end of the year, I got a message on Instagram from someone that said, 
hey, did you see this reality star? She posted this poem on her page with your name on it. Like, did you write that? And I was like, I did. I have no idea how she found it, but that's definitely mine. And I thanked her. I was like, thank you so much for sharing. Like, but I, it was so random. And then a few days later, I got another message. Somebody was like, did you see this athlete? They posted a poem on their page with your name on it. And I was like, this is just getting weird. Like, how are these people finding this? So I went back to Pinterest and that particular post had been pinned over a hundred thousand times. <gasps> oh my gosh. Till this day, I don't know how it got shared. I don't know where it took off. I don't even remember putting tags on it. I've since added tags on it since then, but Morgan, I, <laughs> this is one of the most crazy, amazing stories. <laughs> and it was just such like an humbling moment because it was just like, wow, like the moment where I was probably the most vulnerable I've ever been on the internet. It was the moment where I was the most like, I don't think anybody else is going to relate to this. Like, this is just too much. I was like, that ended up being the thing that so many people connected to. And that really is what sort of launched these past few years for me of writing for people's stories, because I started receiving messages from people. They were like, this is what I went through last year. And this is how what you wrote connected with me. And I was just in awe because I'm like, I don't know these people. I didn't know their stories. Like I've never even been through what they've been through. How can something that I've written connect with them in that way? And I was receiving stories of people who had been through much worse than what I had been through, just in terms of loss and grief. Isn't it amazing just the vulnerability when you don't have to show your face yeah. and you're able to write something and you know press send, you're allowed to be so much more open and vulnerable. And I think that's such an amazing, beautiful thing in this kind of crazy social media world. Yes. That's so true. <laughs> that's so true. And that's exactly the lesson that I was learning in real time. Right. So did you know right away, people started kind of coming to you? Is that, was it just like a light bulb moment where you thought, okay, this is where the direction I know I need to be heading in? It was, I'll say yes, but I'll say it was subtle. Like I knew there was something there. I didn't really know exactly what, but it was definitely like, you have to keep doing this. I felt that I was like, I didn't know if this was going to turn into a new job or a new avenue for me, like a new brand. I didn't know any of that, but I was like, whatever this is, you have to keep doing it. But you were in it 110%. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to do this. So I spent all of 2017, honestly, just like going back to my childhood filling notebooks and writing and drawing and painting. And and for the listeners, you have journaled for 20 years. I have. Right? Yes. I mean, you're 29. So you started when you were nine or eight or nine or 10. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when I started and, and I've just journaled for all these years. And this time, you know, I started journaling in this way. I started bringing art back into it and, you know, writing poetry again, instead of, you know, just kind of documenting my day because I've always done that. But this time I was like, let me just try to tell stories again. Let me just try to write poetry again. Let's just see what happens. And I honestly, I felt like a five-year-old in the best way. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. This is sustainable. I don't know if this is going to. But that's kind of the best way to go for something that's so out there is just to do it. Not even knowing you don't have the end goal. You're kind of walking through the journey. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about this project. But first, I'm hoping that your mom is going to listen to this interview when it's out. and. 
I think we're, it's just a big thank you to her. <laughs> yeah, really. Yes. I mean, and I will make sure I tell her. What a gift. What a gift. And I tell her that often because, you know, my mom, like I said, she's very creative and she made a lot of sacrifices so that I could be creative. So even now, you know, as an adult, I just like, I'm trying to encourage her and like, help her in whatever way I can in the way that she's helped me. And I always like to tell people, that I'm like, whether it's a parent or a mentor or a teacher, you know, whoever that person is that encouraged you, I was like, if you can in any way give back to that person, you know, that could be really mm-hmm. special. So that's definitely something I try to do for sure. Yeah. Pay it forward. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, we're going to pause for a minute to tell you about one of our partners. Anyone interested in 30% off the best vitamins? We know health and nutrition is important to everyone. One thing that goes hand-in-hand with our health is supplemental care. We've partnered with Dr. C Vitamins to offer you a 30% discount off their premium pharmaceutical-grade and medically-endorsed line of supplements. All vitamins are not created equal. In fact, there is no FDA oversight for supplements. Unlike over-the-counter vitamins, Dr. C supplements are manufactured without commonly found synthetic ingredients. I mean, you guys, who wants synthetics going into our bodies? They're also non-GMO and gluten-free. Their standards are so high, these vitamins are actually manufactured just like a prescription drug would be in an FDA-registered facility. Most vitamins do not subject themselves to this level of oversight. People are always asking if we take these personally, and we do. I take the D3K2 combo to support bone health, memory, mood, and immune support, and their collagen biotin that supports strong hair, nails, and skin. And then when I'm having those nights where I'm having a hard time falling asleep and unwinding, I take the melatonin B6 combo, and it really helps me gently fall asleep naturally. So give them a try, you guys. Go to drccares.com, use our code WEGETTONOW, and save 30% on your next order. Now enjoy the rest of the interview. Okay, so let's talk about your project. You started in 2017, and it began as people were responding to your journaling your thoughts, but then they were sending you their own stories and they were sending them to you. Like, what do you think is the genesis of, they just wanted to kind of be on the same level. I mean, what do you think the kind of reason for them to write to you? And then how did you end up turning this into your quote unquote project, which I love? Yeah. So I noticed very early on that one particular poem because it was getting shared quite a bit that particular poem and then a few of the pieces that I wrote after, just some of the themes that I was writing about that I honestly just hadn't really shared much with anyone, they were just so universal. And a lot of it had to do with just the fear of the unknown, you know, just uncertainty in your life and feeling like a failure, feeling like you haven't done enough, you haven't given enough. And I was just kind of writing some of the things that I've been dealing with over the past few years And I started receiving messages from people, you know, where they're kind of telling their stories. And I did ask myself that question. I'm like, why do people, strangers on the internet that I don't know, feel comfortable, you know, sharing their story with me? I'm like, I I don't know them. Like, they don't know me. Like, what is happening here? And I really wrestled with that for a while. And I started to realize, I was like, what would prompt me to do that? Like, what would prompt me to message someone or send someone Mm -hmm. a letter? And I was like, I think what would prompt me in the times I've done that in the past is when I felt heard, when I felt like I was safe to share that with that person because they had already put it out there that they too dealt with that. So it felt safe to share it with them. It's like, oh, well, you also wrestle with that doubt. You also deal with this. So I can share this with you because you've already put it out there. So I was like, I think that's what's happening. It's just because I've kind of taken these few things that I've really been dealing with and I've started to talk about them. 
as I'm still presently dealing with them. And one thing I'm very passionate about is I don't like to write from a place of like, here's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. I just think a lot of times when we're going through a hard time, like in the back of our minds, we know what we need to do. We know we need to not give up. We know we need to keep going. We know, we know all these things, but I'm like, in those moments, sometimes you just want to know like that what you're going through is real and it's not made up and you're not just so out there for feeling that way. And you want to know you're not alone. That's so true that you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to communicate that you're not alone in this. So I think that's why people started to share their stories. And I was just getting more and more inspired by these stories that people were sending me. So in October of 2017, that's when I posted on my Instagram story. I said, if you would like for me to write something specifically for your story, you can send me your story. I won't share it with anyone. It'll be kept private and I will write something with your story in mind and I'll send it to you first and then I'll share it everywhere else. And at that time when I did that, I was like, yeah, I think a few people might respond and he followed me, <laughs> but I did not anticipate like the people who were following me at that time to like tell their friends about it and for them to tell their friends. So it just sort of spread and spread and spread. And I was like, there's no way I can get to everyone. So I just started randomly selecting people. I would just scroll through emails and DMs and just randomly stop on the name. Like I would have no idea who it was until I opened it. So I was like, maybe I'll do this for a few weeks. A few weeks turned into a few months. And now it's, you know, almost halfway through 2019. And it's still a part of my weekly life. Like I'm still writing for people's stories on a regular basis. And it's just become such a way for me to, want to stay grounded and just remember Mm -hmm. why I do what I do. It's so easy to get, you know, wrapped up in the business side of things. And, you know, how do you make this work? And how do you scale? And how do you grow? Or then the other side of just like, am I good enough? You know, like in self-doubt. So just connecting with other human beings, it just really reminds me, I'm like, wow, like so much of this that you know, it can get so complicated. But at the end of the day, it's about conversation. It's about just listening to one another just encouraging one another that we're not alone. And yeah, so that's sort of the premise of that project. And it has brought out a lot of me creatively. And I'm still just amazed just at kind of what's happened from that. So yeah. Well, so you say I make art and write words as a daily practice of generosity. And that's really, I mean, it's, it's almost like when you are giving yourself to someone, whether it's time, volunteer work, whatever, there's something that internally comes out of you that feels so good when you're helping other people. And this kind of sounds a little similar that you're able to kind of expose some of you while kind of listening to the other people. Does that make sense? Is that? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And like one image that comes to mind a lot for me when I'm writing, it's just like a mirror, you know, just how can I be a mirror for someone else? And just say like, yes, this is you and you're beautiful. You're worthy. And just be encouraging, you know, right? the things that we would probably like or need a mirror to say back to us when we're looking into the mirror, because it can be so easy to focus on all of the, you know, negative things. So, well, and when you look into the mirror, you know, you, in the general sense, you, there's lots of self-doubt and, Mm sometimes, or a lot of times I should say negativity. And this Mm -hmm. is a way to look in the mirror, but come back as this uplifting message that you're right. You, the person probably already knows what they need to do or what's going on, but 
you're looking at it from a, you know, light and love and it's really, really beautiful. Well, thank you. So what a gift you're giving all these people. And I read your end goal is to get to a million. Yes. Yes. That is my goal. And I should probably do a better job at counting. <laughs> I, <laughs> that is my goal. And I, cause I did the math one time. I was like, okay, this could take me a lifetime, but I was like, I like that. You know, I like right. that. That's not like a, a goal that I need in three years or something. So I actually, last night I spent three hours categorizing things I had written. I'm saying so yeah, at some point I'll get them all counted and <laughs> organized, but I'm not the most organized when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to this, but I am starting to go through it and like, okay, like let's kind of get a system here and see how much I actually have written. Cause I really don't have a, a system. So when someone writes into you and you choose them randomly from your DMS based on whatever name, Mm-hmm. Like, what's your process? You look at it. I mean, do you ever get stuck? Do you find immediate inspiration? Then you write it, then you send it to them. Like, tell me a little bit about that process. You create art with it. Yeah. So it definitely varies from person to person. And now I'm kind of at a place where, cause I, because since I've started sharing all this art, like it's become like a full time freelance thing for me now. So I do a lot of freelance work now. I collaborate with a lot of brands just because I have so much art out there. So people are reaching out like, oh, would you like to do something? So I'm like, wow, I still want to make sure, you know, even, you know, I'm about to have a baby. I'm like, even though my (laughs) life is getting in a lot of ways busier and I have a lot going on, I always want to have a space for this in my life. Like it's just become such an important, you know, at least in this season, it's become such an important part of my life. So what I do now is at least two to three days a week, I try to spend at least an hour or two in the mornings. And what I'll do is I'll open my email inbox because I actually don't do as many DMs right now because I actually encourage people to go through the form on my website because I'm not able to keep just the way DMs are. There's just really hey, hard listeners, to send her an email, not a DM. Yeah. You can send me a DM, but it's just, I am much more likely to see it if it comes to my email. So now I actually mostly go through the emails that I get. There are thousands now. I oh have my no gosh. idea. I think what a since- testament to, I mean, I'm listening to you and I'm like, I'm going to send you an email after this phone call. <laughs> oh yes, please. I'm like, my inbox is open 24 hours. You're welcome to email me. And I, I try to get to as many people as I can. So what I do is I'll scroll through and I'll just go through the pages of on my Gmail. I'm just going through pages and I'll just, and the way the form comes in, I don't see a subject line or anything. Like I just see a name or initials. And then I see like form submissions. So I know nothing until I open it. And when I open it there, it's like one or two things typically happen. One, I just read what that person shared with me. And sometimes it's one sentence. Sometimes it's like three or four paragraphs. And I just, as I'm reading, I'm just hearing words. I'm just imagining myself in their shoes. I'm like, what could that person possibly want to hear right now? And then I'll just start writing. Like as I'm reading what they're writing, I'm just taking notes and I'm just writing and I'm not really trying to come up with a form at that moment. Cause sometimes it comes out as prose and sometimes it comes out as poetry. So I'm just writing however it comes out, just whatever thoughts come to mind and reading their story. And then when I get to the end of it, then I kind of read through it again. And I kind of find the parts that like, I really want to focus on. And that's what I make the art from. Sometimes I'm reading it and I'm like, I feel like I have a lot to say. <laughs> and it's sometimes it's a lot to say when someone sends me one sentence. Or mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a few lines when someone sends me a paragraph. Like there's no 
rhythm or rhyme to it. Like I can't figure it out. And I'm like, maybe that's the beauty of it. You know, maybe I'm not supposed to be able to figure it out. So yeah, that typically happens. But then there are other times where I receive stories. And unfortunately, I receive a lot of stories about just people who've dealt with different forms of abuse or just being mistreated in just really heartbreaking, terrible ways where justice was not served. And it's just really heartbreaking. And a lot of times when I receive those stories, I don't really have anything to say right away. And Mm -hmm. I'll back away from it for a minute and just kind of give it space. And sometimes that space is a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, a few months. Wow. There are some stories that I've received. Like I have some drafts right now, like in my email, like they've been there for like a month and I'm still trying to write for them in the best way that I can. Sometimes as you're sitting in these emails that come to you, stories, I should say, do you take on part of it? I mean, I think that'd be so hard to distance yourself from. I mean, when you're writing in such a raw way back to them, it would be hard not to take on some of their feelings, their persona almost. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think that the way the stories come in, in written form, I've always just processed information better for me just in writing. So I do think the fact that I'm, I'm reading them, I'm able to pace myself at whatever necessary pace I'm able to, if that makes right. sense. Like yeah. if it's really intense, I can take a break, you know? Right. And sometimes that's harder if you're talking to someone face to face, you don't really have that, you know, that that's just different, you know, a totally different thing. So there are times where I'm reading and like, I feel like my imagination is ignited, like in a good way of mm-hmm. like, wow, like this person's going through this. And as I'm reading, like I'm thinking about different imagery, like, in the mountains or yeah, I write a lot about nature and, you know, I'm like, wow, that's kind of like, you know, like a river or something like that. And I'm thinking these things as I'm reading. So I think that that's sort of a way that, you know, even though oftentimes like these stories are, are so intense and people are really going through very difficult things. I think that by me bringing in imagery and bringing in things that they could perhaps still find beautiful in their lives, you know, such as like the sunrise or something like that. It really does help kind of do what music can do, you know, in a Mm -hmm. hard time. And I think that being in music has helped with that too, because music can just be so healing. You know, even when you're just going through such a difficult time, you know, that song is not going to fix what you're going through. It's not going to change the situation, but just the ability to be able to sing and have right. a rhythm to dance to or, or to breathe to. It's just, it can mean a lot in those moments. So I think that having a musical background has definitely given me the, some experience in like how to bring art, like where art can fit in, even when things are really rough, you know, mm-hmm. because you don't expect a song to fix a problem, you know, you right. that's not what you're listening to music for. <laughs> so it's, I wish, but yeah, no. <laughs> I know that'd be wonderful, but that's not how it works. But at the same time, it can be so healing. So that's sort of the approach that I take because I do think earlier on, like I felt a lot of pressure because I was like, Oh, like, I just wish I could help this person so much more. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is therapy really. And you do it for free. You send these things back to them for free. <laughs> yeah. And it's just become like, for me as, as somebody who loved to make things, but at the same time, just felt like 
there was no place for anything that I created. And I just always felt like somebody else could do it better. As somebody who felt that way, like when I say that this is a daily practice of generosity, it's just a reminder that like, yes, you might see yourself as just an artist or just a writer or just Morgan, but even just the smallest amount of time that you have to give to someone and just let them know, I hear you, I see you, you're not alone, like that matters. Like giving that to somebody is huge. Mm-hmm. So it just reminds me of that on a daily basis. And and it just helps me not put all that unnecessary pressure on myself. Like you don't have to fix all the world's problems. Like you don't have to fix everything, but you can. Well, it's almost like you're taking little baby steps. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's like keeping a gratitude journal, which I always say I'm going to do and I start one and then I get off of it, but it's the simple things. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell my kids, write down three things and it could be, I had the best glass of freshly squeezed orange juice today or whatever, you know, it's just like (laughs) small things that over time build up and can just change. I mean, put you on a different plane completely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to talk about your Instagram. You have quite a following, 516,000. How do you think you grew in such a huge number and fairly fast? Yeah, because I remember, I think I reached 100K last summer, either right around this time in May or June, I can't remember, somewhere in there. But I honestly think that a huge thing, and you'll see it if you if you look in my comment section, and then it happens a lot on Instagram stories, the huge thing is that what I'm making is very shareable, and people want to tag their friends in it and share it with their friends. So even the times that I've done surveys of like, how do you find my page? The most popular answer is someone told me about it. And so in a way, it's kind of like digital word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Just the nature of the project, it was unique. There wasn't really anything out there that I knew of that was exactly like that. And it was something that people could invite their friends to be a part of. And that wasn't intentional at first, but you know, now that I've seen, I'm like, I think that's what it is. I think it's just the fact that like, it's something that you can kind of explain to somebody like, yeah, there's someone like she writes for people's stories and you can submit a story and everything on her page is from people's stories. And I'll pay attention when I see people like tag their friends and explain that to them. I'm like, wow, like they summed up something so beautifully and concise. Like (laughs) I never could have done it for myself. And the same goes with the actual pieces that I create. I'm making very shareable content. Like I kind of think of it in a way as like every little square on my Instagram, every little thing as like digital greeting cards. Like I think of it as just like, you know, if you're going to go see someone for their birthday or for something they're going through or a celebration or a season of transition, like you might bring them a card that just kind of sums up what you already feel or what you would like to say to that person. But just somebody else putting it into words, it kind of takes that pressure off of you a little bit. Right. So I kind of see it in that way now. And as I'm creating more and more now, I think of it that way. I'm like, how can I write this in a way that the person reading it, they feel connected to it, but they're also like, oh, it's so-and-so that I know. Right. They might also feel connected to this too. So, you know, a lot of the phrasing and different things that I use, I'm thinking about it that way. And one of my favorite comments that I see on my work is when someone tags a friend and says, this is just what we were talking about last night. And I'm just like, to me, that just means so much. Cause I'm like, I didn't hear that conversation. I was not there. I don't even know what they're talking about. 
But the fact that like they can connect around that, like to me, that's one of my favorite moments. So I do think that is honestly probably the biggest contributor to people finding it. Because I, I ask people all the time how they found it. And they're like, oh, somebody <laughs> shared it on their page or they sent it to me. And I also encourage people, and, and I don't know like how other creators feel about this, but I've encouraged people. I'm like, you're more than welcome to share this all outside of social media. So I've had people who come to me and said, yeah, like I'm not even on Instagram, but somebody just texts me your stuff or they printed it out one time and gave it to me in my dorm. I've just been very like free with that. I'm like, yeah, you can use it for, you know, personal use if you want to share it with somebody in that way. Because I, I do think that as special as social media is, I'm like, there's still like so many people who might be taking a break from social media or they're just not using it. And it's still something that I'm like, yeah, you're more than welcome to share it in that way too. So, yeah. Well, I would say what's like ringing in my head right now about you is you're generous in your thoughts. And I just love that you're willing to share what's going on in your head, because as you're explaining your whole process, it's not as easy as writing something down. I mean, you're in tune and I love it. I just, I don't know. I love reading what you write and how you get to that point. And the whole process is really amazing. So thank thank you for sharing that. Before I pass you to Tedra, I do want to ask you or just mention your templates on your Instagram, on your highlight stories. I was reading through those and I thought, okay, I'm printing all these out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this would be amazing. Is that why you set that up like that? Yeah. So, you know, with the story templates, you know, where you can fill everything in with your own details of what you want to add. I was thinking of it in the sense of like, because a lot of people ask me about my process and I'm like, journaling is a huge part of my process. Like I've been doing it my whole life. And a lot of people say, well, it's hard to be consistent with journaling. It's hard to, you know. Or how do I even journal? I mean, that's exactly what you say. So hi, my name is Julie. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So when I found out about guided journals a few years ago, and I was like, this is genius. Like, Yes. Really help people. So once I saw people doing the story templates, I was like, what if there's a way to kind of bring guided journaling to Instagram? And then you're journaling. Like you didn't realize it, but you're journaling on Instagram. So that's what I gained from it. And I think that is genius because I I, picked up on that. (laughs) Yes. I mean, because I could sit, like I said, I've tried to journal and I have made it like a very serious priority, but it's like very basic. So I need someone to kind of walk me through the deeper side of it. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. For me, because I'm like, it can be really intimidating, you know, looking at a blank journal, like what do you do? And like, Right. That's how I feel about a dance floor. Like I'm terrible at dancing, but like if you give me instructions, I'm like, okay, here's the dance. I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, I'll get out there. There's like instructions. Isn't that funny how our minds (laughs) just are so different? It's really amazing. I'm like, I'm terrified of an empty dance floor, but not a blank notebook. (laughs) I'm kind of the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. See, I wish I had that. (laughs) Well, and it's reciprocal. (laughs) All right. So Tedra, I know you're interested in hearing about Morgan's spray painting. I was. It's on my list of things to follow up on. I want to know. So awesome. tell me, you love spray paint? Or you said your mom always had spray paint. So tell us, like, how do you use it and what do you do with it and all that good stuff? Yes. So my mom, being the creative that she is, like, she does a lot with furniture. And she was just like, take a couch and, like, paint it gold and put, like, cool tapestry on it and all this stuff. And I always thought it was so cool when I was a kid. And I would watch her paint a lot with spray paint. But because of the chemicals and spray paint, she wouldn't let me, <laughs> she wouldn't really let me use it too much. But like once I started getting a little older, I just fell in love with it. 
but I didn't really have much to spray paint. <laughs> you go over spray painting things like, oh, yeah, I can do so this, I can do this. Like, oh, here's a little block. Let me spray paint that really quick. So it just always became like the special thing. Like anytime I was able to do it, I just really wanted to. So when I grew up and I started in 2017, when I started doing more art and the first thing I did was I went to Home Depot and I bought like a hundred dollars worth of spray paint and I just went in the backyard and I just went wild <laughs> and I just bought some canvases. And like, if you like scroll back through my Instagram, you'll see it. Like all of that is spray paint. Anything that you see of mine from that year that was painted, that is spray paint. So I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I know I'm not able to do it as much anymore. So it's just one of those special things that, yeah, it'll just always be a part of me. Have you ever gone like to a graffiti park or something like that and spray painted like on a wall? I have thought about it. I've thought about it. But I'm like, I don't know if I'm that skilled, but. Well, here in Austin, we have, it's actually just closed. Well, it closed its current location, which is really near downtown, but it's actually being moved. I think they're building a park around it, but it's called Hope Outdoor Gallery. And it's basically like these walls that they have set up and everyone comes and it's just continually changing every day. And people come and they paint and you have people who are incredible artists. And then you have people who are just tagging their names or, oh my goodness. and it's just yeah. ever changing. Uh, you could go every month and then all the walls are completely changed and different. Wow. People climbing all over it. And so it's a little sad for the city because we're losing its original location, which is really near downtown. Mm. You know, there's a group of people that are putting the money together to move it, but that is, I can imagine you there. <laughs> yeah. Well, next time I'm in Austin, I'm going to come with some spray paint. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So I had a couple other questions. You said you play instruments. I was just curious, like which ones? Yeah, so the first instrument I ever learned how to play is the harp, actually. Um, nice. We went, to, we went to a wedding when I was a kid, and I was like, I want to play the harp. My mom was like, okay. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing a, like a pattern here. You're very impressionable as a child. The spray paint, let me add it. Harp, yeah. Let me add it. Exactly. So it started with the harp, then it went to piano, but my primary is guitar. That's what I started playing that around 14, and that's my strongest. But then I also play mandolin. I play a little bit of ukulele and pretty much anything with strings on it. I try to give it a shot. Uh, and I play fun. harmonica. And, but yeah, harmonica, uh, harmonica, I'm sorry. Guitar is the primary acoustic guitar. So yeah. Nice. It's one thing lacking in my life. I always wished that I had learned to pick up an instrument. I think when you uh, get to that teenage college years, everybody mm-hmm. wishes they could play the guitar. <laughs> you actually did it. So that's cool. <laughs> well, if you ever decide to pick it up, guitar is by far the easiest oh good to know so, i mean with four chords you can play 75 percent of the songs you know <laughs> so really? okay yeah i had no yeah, idea really? guitar i mean that is yeah piano is a lot more difficult i mean literally yeah if you're just like i need to do it it's a bucket list thing i need to learn acoustic guitar is the way to go Okay, I'm going to remember that. You can Maybe learn, just someday yeah, you can I'll learn do this. on YouTube. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> okay, a couple more follow-up questions before we get to the Ask Everyone. I was curious, how did you meet your husband? We met in college. So we went to a small college in Atlanta, and I was a senior, and he was a freshman. But the funny thing is, is we're the same age, because... I started college at 16 and he started college late. Okay. So. Well, wait, no. Why did you start college at 16? What happened there? I was homeschooled. So. So you quicker. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, my mom, again, my mom, she's, she's my sister. And I both, we started kindergarten at three. So I didn't skip grades. I just yeah. started at three and kept going. <laughs> so oh, I'm not one of like, you have those homeschoolers who are like, they got their PhD by, you know, 
14. I'm not one of those. Like, <laughs> but you know, I definitely did start early and it was a s- small school. So when you went to college at 16, I mean, was that sort of intimidating thinking like you're surrounded by, cause I mean, at 16, 18, 19 year olds, they seem a lot older, even though it's really only three years, but at that age, yeah. it feels like the gap is large. It, oh yeah, it definitely did. And I went there with this full game plan of like, no one was going to know I was 16. And then the second I got there, there was a girl who recognized me from a homeschool co-op and she was like, aren't you like 16 in front of like half the school? <laughs> so I was like, well, there, there goes that. Everybody knows now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely was interesting in that. But at the same time, it was a really small school and I think it could have been harder maybe if I had done like a really large university or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I still made friends and I still like the most awkward thing was we were all going rock climbing and then we realized I couldn't go because I had to get a parent to sign. Oh. <laughs> like, See you later. Well, you so, met your husband. So the time yeah, you were just right. Exactly. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out. <laughs> okay. So let's do some fun. Ask everyone questions. Tell us what's a great tip you could share with our listeners. This could just be about life, anything. Yeah. I think it would be, it's okay to switch it up. Like, whether it's with your hobbies or your passions or your career, or, you know, maybe you just want to change and it's okay to start looking for ways to change and try something new. It's never too late for that. What is something people would be really surprised to know about you? I am very sarcastic. <laughs> so I think a lot of times like with writing and the way that the way I express myself in my writing, I think I can sometimes seem like I might be a very serious person. Uh-huh. But I'm not. <laughs> like I'm, I'm very sarcastic and, you know, we're always cracking jokes. And I do have a lighter side. Like, I know I, I'm very introspective and I write a lot. But, yeah. <laughs> How do you like to decompress? Going to the beach. Like, I know that might sound kind of cliche, but I live near the beach and I try to take as much advantage of that as I can. So what's one of your favorite books that you just couldn't put down? Oh, there's a book that I keep coming back to. It's called, I mean, I could talk about that forever, but I'll just pick this one. (laughs) And that's The Describer's Dictionary by David Graham. And it's just a book of different ways of describing things. And I just, I read that book cover to cover so many times. Mm, That sounds interesting. I love it. I highly recommend it. So what city has you shedding a tear when you have to leave? Hmm, I would say New York City. I love it, but it's freezing cold. And I don't think I could ever live there because of that. But I love that city. So it's always mixed emotions leaving New York. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get back to the sun. But like, but you know, it's so amazing there, but it's so cold. So yeah. What's your beverage of choice in the morning and then also at night? In morning and night, not right now because I'm pregnant, but coffee. <laughs> like coffee in any form, any time of day. Do you have a current Netflix addiction? Yes. I'll often turn on the abstract documentary. It's called abstract. They follow different artists in different fields. And I'll just turn that on and like watch it in the background. I I have watched that so many times. I can almost memorize some of the episodes. Oh, I want to watch that. That sounds interesting. I love it. Yeah. It's called abstract. They follow an architect, a set designer, illustrator. It's incredible. And it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm writing that down right now. Do you have any favorite beauty products? You know, I'm kind of basic these days. I'm currently in pursuit of a really good lip balm. (laughs) I feel like none of them work for me. So I would say that's kind of my go-to. If you go in any of my bags, there's like 40 different kinds of 
bombs. Looking for that perfect <laughs> one, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who would you love to have a cup of coffee with? Oh, I would say Krista Tippett. She journalist who has a podcast on being. I love the way she talks and asks questions. And yeah, I would love to sit and chat with her. Do you live by a motto? I do, but I feel like it changes all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right now it's my favorite Mary Oliver quote. And that's instructions for living life. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Mm, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're going to talk about food for just a second. Is there one food that you absolutely will not eat? Yes, and that is ranch dressing. Oh, and- <laughs> me too. I don't like it either, but a lot of people do. I know. It's, the reason why is because apparently when I was a kid, I was actually quite obsessed with ranch dressing. And <sighs> back when ranch used to come in those glass bottles, I would just go in the kitchen and I would pour an entire glass bottle into a bowl. <laughs> try to eat it all. So my theory is that I just reached my ranch quota at a very early age of life. <laughs> like that's interesting. No more ranch for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you could love it that much and then be like, no, yeah, I'm done. Exactly. <laughs> my mom's like, yeah, you were obsessed with it. It was your favorite thing. And I remember one day when I was like 10 years old, I was like, no more of this. Like I've had enough. <laughs> So what meal would you choose as your last meal? It's a, such a Southern meal. It would be collard greens, mac and cheese, and cornbread and roast beef. Mm. Like, that is like, mm. That's <laughs> my mom good. makes it. It's my favorite. <laughs> I love macaroni and cheese. I love cornbread. Like if those things are done right, it's like, mm, perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you ever come to Austin, okay, I have one more thing to add to your list. There's a place here. It's called Lambert's Barbecue and it's downtown. And there's a lot of barbecue here. So there's a lot of different opinions. But they have the best macaroni and cheese, I think, ever. And then they also have these cornbread little muffins that they give you as an appetizer. And then, of course, the meats are great and everything. But Lambert's Barbecue and then the Hope Outdoor Gallery. Two things you should hit up on if you ever come. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I've had barbecue in Austin, but I've never had mac and cheese and cornbread. So I don't think I've been to either of those. Lambert's. you got to hit it up. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So do you have a pet peeve? Yes, I do. So me and my husband are huge movie buffs and we love to go to movies a lot. And we are those people who like to stay to the end of the credits and see if there's anything after the credits. And it drives me wild when people decide halfway through the credits that they're like when they're walking out and then they just stand there like (laughs) like they don't commit to like sitting down or leaving. Right. And they're just kind of lingering. Yes. (laughs) They want to know, but they're not fully committed. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, you paid for this seat to the end of the credit. You can <laughs> stay there. You don't have to leave. Or you can leave. Just please make a choice. Well, they probably think, oh, I'm leaving because I'm not interested. And then they think, well, yeah. why is everyone staying? Like, then they get yeah. a thinking that something's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. It's nothing major, but yeah. <laughs> I spent too much time thinking about it. <laughs> It's funny how like just like one little thing like that can be like, mm. yeah. like I'm watching the credits. You're disrupting me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So what's the best gift you've ever received? I believe it's a custom guitar that I got from my little sister. So she did that as a birthday gift and that means a lot to me. I'll have it forever. What's the best gift you've ever given? I once did a painting for my parents and 
their reaction was just so sweet. I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't, I didn't think you would connect with it that much, but they really did, and they still have it. So I was really proud of myself for that. What's the last thing you Googled? <laughs> it was, do babies kick you in the ribs? <laughs> <laughs> so appropriate. <laughs> I felt something in my ribs earlier, and I was like, that feels strange. So, yeah. Look, I think I have an alien. Oh, wait, I do have a baby inside of me. And I did see where your sister is pregnant, too, so y'all are having this experience together. Yes, we are. It was totally a surprise for both of us, but we're so excited. She's having a little girl and she's due two weeks after me. So, Oh, they're just going to be best friend cousins. How fun. <laughs> I know, I know. One last question. What's the greatest life advice you've ever received? I was recording my album, my first like music album a few years ago, and I was singing and the producer... Um, his name is Paul Mayberry. I like learned so much from him. And one of the biggest things he said to me that stood out for me forever, I was singing, but I wasn't really like, I was kind of like trying to sing in the way I felt like I was supposed to sing mm. to make the music sound the way I thought. And he turned around and he said, you just need to sing how you actually sing. And he just pressed record and he was like, just sing. And he like walked out the room. He's like, I'm just going to let it play through. And he's like, just let it out. I think about that in a lot of a lot of things in my life now, like, you know, we have all these ways that we think things like, oh, this is what the industry wants. This is what the market wants. This is what I'm supposed to do. But I just hear him saying like, seeing how you actually sing. Mm, that's great advice. Yeah, that's good. I wish we had more time because I feel like we didn't get to dive into your music career much. Well, at all. And also you wrote a book. And so hopefully maybe someday we'll talk again and get to dive into some of yeah, those areas. But to. this has been such a joy talking to you and, I just know Julie and I are both inspired by the work that you do. And I think I'm going to uh, submit a story. So I'll be in there with the thousands of people. Maybe someday you'll <laughs> run across me. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on and take care. Yes. Thank you. Bye. We want to thank you for listening today. And if you like the show, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes and give us a positive review. You can find us at wegettoknow.com where you can sign up for our newsletter and we're on social media at We Get to Know. Head over to Instagram. We'd love to hear from you and get your opinions on guests and show ideas. Our music is provided by the talented Blake Gatwell of Studio 1916. Until next time, take care as we continue getting to know all of our favorite people.